You know, I didn't think it could get much better than the first service when they sang that song. Uh, and it's hard to imagine after the second service, uh, it seems like it was almost perfect. What a moving song. I hope that God spoke to you through the words of that song and that He spoke into your life this morning. You know, one of the great privileges that we have is to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. I hope that you have experienced Him in your life. I hope that you know with 100% assurance in your heart and in your mind that you can call Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. I like that song, and it just resonates in my soul when I hear them sing that song, that they had seen Jesus. And I hope you can say the same as well. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would ask that you would open them to Luke, the 24th chapter. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at a text that is found in that passage of Scripture. As you're turning your Bibles there, I do want to just bring one thing to your attention, if I may. I was sharing in this morning's worship service, and I want to share as well in the late worship service today, that next week I want to encourage you to come back. Next week as a church, we are going to start what we are referring to as 30 days of prayer. You know, as the staff and I have met together and as we have prayed and sought the leadership and the direction of the Lord, one of the things that God has just really spoken into our hearts and into our life is the need for us as a body of believers to humble ourselves in the presence of God and just truly seek His face and just determine as He leads and guides and directs us through His Holy Spirit what it is that He desires for Crestwood Baptist Church. Really, it's not about you and it's not about me. The church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And we just want to seek His leadership and His guidance. And we want to make sure we are on the same page with Him as He leads us into the future. So what we're going to do is next Sunday morning, I'm going to be preaching a series of sermons that I've entitled, God Still Moves. I believe that God still moves. I believe that God wants to move in our hearts and in our lives, but in order for us to see God truly move in our hearts and our lives, it's going to take us humbling ourselves before Him. It's going to take us repenting of some things in our life and just telling the Lord, Lord, what we want more than anything else in this world is for you to have your way in our heart and in our life today. And what we want is to see you move in such a way in our body of believers here that we can be all that you desire us to be for the kingdom of God. That is our heart's desire. So I encourage you to come back. We're going to have four different sermons about prayer, focusing on different areas in the church. And then the very last one, this is what we're going to do. We've already planned it. We're going to come together and we're going to celebrate what God is going to do. We're anticipating God is going to do something in that 30 days of prayer if we truly seek Him with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and body. I believe God is going to respond in a great way. What I have noticed in Scripture is this. Every time God got ready to do something great in His church, it always started with them on their knees in prayer. Why should it be any different for us today? 
I don't believe it is. I think God is still calling us to that. So I encourage you to come out and be a part of that. Well, this morning we are going to focus on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, that's not April Fool's, okay? I'm going to get that out of the way. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ today, and we're going to lift Him up. And I hope that you have already seen Jesus Christ high and lifted up. As great a job as the choir and Brother Andy and April and uh, uh, everyone else has done, Wade, in our worship service this morning, it's really not about us being entertained. That's not what we've gathered here for today. It's about us worshiping Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior, seeing Him high and lifted up. And that's what my desire is for us today, is for us to take a few moments to gather around God's Word and to focus our attention right here and see what it is that God wants to speak into our hearts and into our lives. I am convinced God wants to do something in the hearts and the lives of His people. I'm also convinced today that there are people in our midst who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They have come today seeking something in life. They're seeking for fulfillment. There's this great void in their life, and more than anything else, they are searching for answers. They want to know, why on earth am I here? What is life all about? Well, you know, the great thing is God's Word answers that question for us today. And I really believe that God wants to speak and challenge us through His Word today. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke, the 24th chapter, if I've not told you that. We are going to be looking at Luke's account of the resurrection. In Luke's account of the resurrection, he tells us on the very first day of the week, early in the morning, there's a group of women who went to the tomb where Jesus Christ had been laid. And they went there for a specific purpose. They went there to prepare the body of Jesus Christ for burial. This was not an uncommon practice in that day and time. Oftentimes, the Jews did not practice embalming. And as a result of that, instead, they would take spices. And the day after someone had died, they would go to the body. They would wrap the body in spices. And then he would be placed in his final area or final place of burial interment. That's what these ladies went for on this very first day. Early on the first day of the week. Early in the morning. It was simply an act of love and devotion on the part of these women. However, when they get to the garden, what takes place next will forever change their lives. They would never be the same Again, when they arrive in the garden at the tomb where Jesus Christ had been placed, they found the stone rolled away and the tomb was empty and the body was nowhere in sight. Can you imagine that? As a matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, it says they stood there perplexed. There was no words to describe what it was they were feeling in their hearts and in their lives, what was going on in their mind at that day and time. There's no words. This man whom they loved, this man whom they had followed for three years of their life, they had seen him hang and die on the cross. They had placed him in the tomb. Now his body is gone. What have you done 
with Jesus Christ. I can imagine that's what was going, to, going on or going through their minds on that first morning when they went to the tomb. But it's what happens next in this story that is most amazing to me. I want you to follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 7 of chapter 24 of the book of Luke. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now we know it was the women because at the end of this passage of Scripture, Luke is going to refer to them by name, this group of women. Verse 2, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were there, I mean, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Let's pause for a word of prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, and we believe right now in our hearts and in our minds that your word is true. And Lord, we believe and we trust and we claim the promise of your word that where your word is preached and taught, it will not return void. It will accomplish exactly what you intended to accomplish, Lord. So Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds, that you would give us open hearts, open minds to receive what it is that you want us to receive today. And Lord, my prayer is we will not just be a people who are simply hearers of the Word of God, but that we would be doers of the Word of God today. That we would take what we learn here and we would apply it to our lives that we may grow into a deeper and a more meaningful relationship with you. Now, Father, I pray, I ask, I plead with you, Lord, please hide me behind your cross. Lord, let not the people hear my words, but Lord, please let them hear your words. Lord, my prayer is that they would see you high and lifted up. They would not just see this as a time of entertainment, but Lord, as a time of truly coming before you and worshiping you for who you truly are. Father, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through this time. Lord, I pray if there are people here today who do not know you, that today would be the day they come into a personal relationship with you. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I've spent a lot of time this week thinking about the question that the angel asked of the women in this passage of Scripture. If you remember what the angel asked of the women, they asked the question of the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? I believe that those words of that question are some of the deepest words that we find anywhere in Scripture. As I look at the world in which we live in today, I see there are a lot of people in our world who are just like the women in this story. 
There are a lot of people in the world who are seeking to fill the void of their life with the dead things of this world, only to come to the end of the day and realize that their life is just as empty as it was at the beginning of the day. Perhaps you're here this morning and I'm speaking to you today. Perhaps if you were honest today and you look deep into your heart and into your soul today, you would say, Preacher, I want you to know something. I am empty on the inside. I am unfulfilled. I am dissatisfied with the life. And I need something that will change me, that will make me different. I have been searching in the things of the world and I have come to realize that the things of this world are simply dead and they can never, ever, ever offer me life. And what I need more than anything else is life. This morning I want to share with you three areas that I have identified where I believe people are truly searching for life in dead things of the world. And this is what I want you to do. As I share with you these three areas this morning, I want you to ask yourself the question, is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying, is it really true? Number one, the first area where I see people are searching for life among dead, dead things is in the area of possessions and money. We live in a consumer-driven society. And some people have bought into the enemy's greatest lie. The enemy's greatest lie is if I can get enough money, if I can get enough possessions in this world, it will bring me satisfaction. There's only one problem. They get to the end of life and they begin to realize that everything that they've invested their life in is empty. It's temporal. It's worthless. I want you to hear the words of the wisest man who ever walked on the earth. His name was Jesus Christ. And this is what he said about possessions and money. In Luke, the 12th chapter, in the 15th verse, he said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said about possessions, about valuables, about money? He said a man's life does not consist of those things. Jesus Christ was wanting us to know and to understand there is something deeper, there is a deeper meaning in life besides acquiring money and possessions. Isn't that what Jesus Christ was saying? Listen to the words again. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That is a warning that should be heeded by all people. Listen, folks, money can buy you all kinds of things, but you need to hear what I'm going to tell you today. Money can never, ever purchase you peace with God. It cannot. If you are looking in money and possessions 
for life, I will tell you today, you will be disappointed when you come to the end of life. You won't find life in money and possessions. Number two, you won't find life in worldly pleasures. America is a thrill-seeking society. I am amazed at the extravagant amount of money people are willing to spend for a moment of pleasure. You know, when I was a boy growing up, my parents took vacation for relaxation and rest. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now we take vacation to get an adrenaline rush. We are a society that's in hot pursuit of worldly pleasures. I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He's writing about women in this passage of Scripture, but men, hear what I'm going to say. You don't escape because it applies to our life as well. In 1 Timothy, the 5th chapter and the 6th verse, Paul wrote, the person who lives in self-indulging pleasure is dead while she lives. Did you hear that? Listen to it again. The person who lives in self-indulging pleasures is dead while she lives. Is that even possible? Is it possible to be dead while a person is actually alive? Well, according to Scripture, it is. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, the second chapter, that we were at one time dead in our trespasses and sin. It is possible to be able to walk, talk, and breathe and still be dead. It's possible to be spiritually dead. Is what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture. I want you to listen to me this morning. If you are seeking to fill the void of your life with worldly pleasures, I promise you, you will come to the end of your life with unfulfilled desires. You can't find life in worldly pleasures. I have been in the ministry for almost 25 or actually over 25 years of my life. And in the time that I have been in the ministry, I've had the opportunity to stand by the bed of more than one person who is getting ready to leave this world and move into eternity. And when I've stood by the bed of people who are dying, I have yet to hear anyone tell me, oh, I wish that I could have spent more hours working. I wish that I could have earned more money. I wish that I could have acquired more possessions in life. I've yet to ever hear that from any single person. Do you know what I have heard? I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have spent more time working on my marriage. I wish that I would have spent more of my life dedicated to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, it's a matter of that which is temporal versus that which is eternal. And we all have to weigh and ask ourselves the question, which is most important in life? Which is most important? That which is temporal, that which will pass away, or that which will last for eternity? 
Listen to me this morning, folks. You will not find life in worldly pleasures. There's a third area that I have identified this morning where you will not find life. This one may shock you. You won't find life in man-made religion. You won't find life in man-made religion. Have you ever noticed that mankind is a religious creature? Every person will worship something or someone. Even the atheist worships someone. Do you know what they worship? They worship themselves. They do. They want to be their own boss. They want to be their own Lord. They want to determine for themselves what they're going to do in life. And the reason I know this is true is because of what the Garden of Eden teaches us, that we were created for the purpose of worshiping the one true living God. We will worship something or someone. That is the truth of the matter. But I will tell you this morning that man-made religion kills, but Jesus Christ gives life. He gives life. That's the truth of God's Word. I want you to listen to one of the most eye-open statements in Scripture made about man-made religion. It's found in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, in verses 1 through 5. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Do you know what that is? Man-made religion. Did you hear what Paul said at the end of this passage of Scripture? Listen to his words again. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. When I read that passage of Scripture, I'm blown away with what it is that Paul... Paul is describing American society today. He's describing cultural Christianity that we're living in the midst of. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Because there is no power, because there's no presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Because they have not truly been born again from above. They have an appearance of godliness but they deny the very power of God in their hearts and in their lives. You won't find life in man-made religions. It will leave you hollow on the inside. As I look at the world in which we live, I've noticed that people are searching for fulfillment in life. 
There's only one problem with each of these areas that I have mentioned this morning. The problem is this. After the pursuit is over, the person will be just as empty as when they began. You know why that is? Because you can't find life in money and in possessions. You can't find life in worldly pleasures. You can't find life in man-made religion. They are dead things. Do you remember the question that the angel asked the women? Why do you search for the living among the dead? It's his statement after that that holds the key to life. Listen to what it says. He is not here. He has risen. Jesus is alive. He's not in a tomb somewhere. He's not dead. He is a living Savior, and He is here this morning. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The key to finding life is looking in the right place. And the place to look is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, I know this is not a popular statement that I'm about to make in the world in which we live in. But when Jesus Christ made that statement, it is an all-exclusive, I mean, it's an all-inclusive statement as well as an exclusive statement. It's exclusive in the sense there is no other way by which men can be saved except through Jesus Christ. In our pluralistic society in which we live in today, there is only one way by which men can be saved, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other way. So in that manner, it is exclusive. But it is an all-inclusive statement as well. Because you see, this is the great news this morning. The all-inclusiveness of it is, whosoever will may come. Do you see what I'm saying? Whosoever will may come. Is the truth of God's Word. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. But if you're here this morning and you would honestly evaluate your life and you would say, you know, Brother Jeff, I'm going to say something to you this morning. You've hit the nail on the head in my life. All of my life, I have been searching for meaning in life. My life has been filled full of emptiness. No sense of purpose, no sense of direction. Well, I want you to know something this morning. You can find life here today in the person of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I'm going to encourage you to come, respond. Listen to me, don't worry about what other people think. 
I can promise you those people here today who truly have Jesus Christ in their heart and life, they'll celebrate with you that you've chosen to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning, you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to come in just a moment. Perhaps some of you here today, though, are saying, well, Brother Jeff, I have made that decision. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but as I have honestly evaluated my life today, I realize I'm not walking with Him in the manner that I should. Can I say something to you this morning? Jesus Christ didn't die on a cruel cross for His followers to sit by passively and do nothing. That's the truth. He died on the cross that we could have relationship with Him, that we could walk in peace and joy of having fellowship with our Lord and with our Savior. This is the great news. At some point in time in our relationship with the Lord, we've all stumbled and failed. But this is good because God's Word says if we're willing to confess our sins, God is righteous and just, and He will cleanse us of our unrighteousness. God's willing to do that. If we're willing to confess our sins, repent, and turn back to Jesus Christ, this is what God's Word says. He'll restore us back into right relationship with Him. If you're here this morning, my desire is for you to follow the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit. As the instrumentalists make their way, I'm going to have a word of prayer. After that, it's going to start our time of invitation. Don't wait. You come as God leads and directs you this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks to our hearts. Your word is true, Lord. There's no mixture of error in it, Lord. Father, I pray that your spirit would have his way in our hearts and our lives in the remainder of this worship service. Lord, you work in our lives. You be honored and glorified. You draw people unto you, Lord. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.